Hello and welcome to episode 58 of Booze, Booms and Busts, the podcast where we discuss market movements while at the same time quaffing a couple of beers that we haven't tried before, hopefully. Sam, how are you getting on this week? Uh, good. I liked, I liked how you said uh, a couple of beers we haven't had before and then just sort of threw in, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, sometimes uh, there are repeats. Yeah, I, I maybe it's a so maybe we talk about this, maybe we don't. I don't know. We don't really ever know what we're actually going to start talking about most of the time on this show. Um, but uh, there seems to be great disruption in the logistics network that functions or seems to be ceasing to function uh, in the UK because I'm still waiting on my beer order delivery, um, which means that it's slim fucking pickings. In terms of the beers, because I don't have any, I don't have any boutique bourgeois uh, microbreweries uh, that I can get a plethora from. I, I have to order online and and rely on the, the delivery network. So, unfortunately, I'm not drinking anything out of the ordinary today. Apart from, I'll probably have one of some some of my, the whiskey that sits behind me. But I do have a Guinness original. As literally about the only thing that I don't think I have drunk on this show from uh, from my local. That's going to get a pretty decent score, I reckon. Yeah, it's you know what. So you know how like the it, it it's a different. I don't know if it's a different Guinness or, or or anything. Anyway, I mean it says it's Guinness original, but it's not the same kind of can that Guinness normally comes in. It's like a, um, it's like a special can. Um, All right, yeah. For, for everyone, they often do. They often do that thing where they use cans from the past. They reissue cans from the past so people get all nostalgic. Um, I mean, I, I won't like the best, the best Guinness I ever had was actually at the Guinness brewery. Um, so I, I doubt this will stack up to it, but I mean, is it, um, I, I think probably the second best Guinness I've ever had was, um, where was it? Uh, was at, um, oh God, what stadium was it? Must've been, was it Twickenham? Must've been, no, it wasn't Twickenham. I can't remember, but it was at the rugby. It was for an England Australia game. And uh, we we had an absolute skinful uh, of Guinness, and the third best Guinness. Maybe this is it. <laughs> the best Guinness I ever had was when I bested my enemies in single combat and then beheaded their bannermen. Ah, <laughs> uh, that that was my fifth best Guinness. <laughs> mm. Yeah, if you're listening to this, do feel free to uh, to send us a tweet on our, our Twitter handle. It's just Booze Booms Bust and give us a true or fictional account of what your best Guinness was. You can get as imaginative as you like. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I would I, I would hazard to say some of the people some some of the ideas that could flow into. I feel like there was going to be Game of Thrones references though, just cherry picked from various episodes. My best Guinness was as I watched my friend and his bride get slaughtered at a wedding, which was not actually as it seemed. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, Game of Thrones actually peaked with that episode. The red wedding was, was peak Game of Thrones. I, I, I actually weirdly, I love, I, I liked the whole lot from start to finish, but I actually, no, yeah, yeah, I do, but I do think you've got a point. Like, it kind of like the end was as good. Oh no, the end wasn't as good as the start. But yeah, I agree. So, I think I think right. it definitely peaked around that time. Around the yeah, morning. yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, did they not film a fair bit of uh, fair bit of Game of Thrones in Ireland, or am I incorrect? I think they did. Um, I think they filmed a fair bit there. So I imagine plenty of cast in Scotland too, right? Yeah, yeah. Got to get that um, yeah old school aesthetic, I suppose. Oh, I mean, the um, landscapes in both of those countries is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like uh, you know, Sharp. You remember Sharp? No. Uh, with Sean Bean, you know, it's the one, one of his very few appearances on television where he doesn't die. Uh, where he plays uh, Napoleonic rifleman. Um, uh, and I think a lot of that was filmed in Ukraine, interestingly. And like during the filming of some of the episodes, there was like, uh, there was a lot of civil unrest and like uh, they used uh, actual Ukrainian soldiers uh, to play, you know, the French or the Spanish soldiers in some of these skirmishes and stuff. Um, but a bit like uh, you know with Apocalypse Now, how they actually use real corpses, yeah, uh, kind of by mistake because the guy that they were paying just like dug them up and things. Really got to the uh, really got to the deep aesthetics, you know. <laughs> Indeed. What well, are we you should, drinking this week, anyway? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So unlike Sam, uh, because I'm I <laughs> I remain in the same location as last week. Uh, I've once again frequented the Waitrose beside the American Embassy, and I must say. Those Americans, you know, Mike Pompeo, when he cut, well, he's not Mike Pompeo. Who is it again? Who is the new guy? Um, what's his new, new Secretary of State? I keep thinking Gensler, but that's SEC, no, isn't it? SEC, it's it's Blinken. Yeah, Blinken. When, uh, when Blinken, Blinken comes over here. <laughs> he, yeah, Blinken. When Blinken Park comes over here, they, they drink pretty well. Um, they've got quite an array of beer at the that waitrose so uh you know sadly it's not the not the coldest because i did actually just dash out to buy a load of it so there's currently a load of beer in the sink of my uh, of my hotel room uh which is covered in ice also bought from that waitrose hopefully my second beer will be war nice and warm this one oh. was taken from a fridge but i don't think it was in the fridge for very I, long i love hotel sink beers I've, oh yeah every time <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Just pouring that ice in, you know, turning on the cold tap. Yeah. It does work. It does work. It does work. It works um, really well. Just there you go. So for is, anybody that isn't aware of what yeah. the hell we're talking about right now, if you're in a hotel room and there's no mini bar, there's no refrigeration, literally just plug the sink, chuck in your cans, chuck in some ice, and then fill it with a bit of water. And that sucker will chill down ASAP. Yeah, supposedly if you put salt in, it'll make it it'll make it work even quicker. Uh, but I'm sure that yeah, I, I'm not into chemistry, so I have no idea how that works. Um, but this is to answer your question, Sam. This is a collaboration between Northern Monk and Fieldwork Brewing. Ah. I don't think I've had anything from Fieldwork before. It's called Eternal Sunshine Double Dry Hopped IPA, five point five percent, and uh, yeah, very very cool label. Got the Northern Monk, of course, in the middle. It's got some lovely fields in the background. There are some windmills. Maybe they're maybe they're. Uh, you know, virtue signaling or something. I don't know. But, you know we do like uh, we do like Northern Monk. So this is uh, this is not too bad so far. In terms of uh, sort of market events, we could discuss this week. Sam, we're kind of short. We're, we're uh, well, it's not short. We're short of time probably to discuss them all. Um, like there are so many things, so many ways we could go. Uh, let's say, well, okay, let's rest at reference last week's episode to begin with. Uh, so back in episode 57, we were talking about Solana, the, uh, the goddess deity right. of the sun, which uh, cult members uh, perform human sacrifices for <laughs> in order to make their, their altcoin bags pump. Uh, and quite fittingly, you know, right as we started talking about this huge rise in Solana this week, 
Uh, well, what's happened, Sam? What happened to this sun goddess? Because it seems like some of the rituals got mixed up or something and uh, the sun yeah. stopped shining in Solanaville. They sacrificed the wrong virgins to that deity. Uh, the Solana network shit mm. itself and basically stopped working uh, this week. I think I'm, I'm to be to be honest, I'm not even sure uh, that it's back online yet. Uh, I think it might. I think it is. But there was a period where for hours and hours on hours on end, there were no blocks being added to the blockchain. Um, and uh, I mean, that's when crypto Twitter comes into it. its its finest form. Um, there are plenty of, can you not just press control or delete? Have you tried turning it off and turning it on again? Um, <laughs> I mean, just some of, some of the finest, uh, some of the finest uh, feedback that, that you'll ever find, but yeah, it, it, um, it wasn't great when a, when a, a network that's carrying, you know, tens of billions of dollars worth of value on it. Uh, I mean, in its own right. And then everything that's then, you know, built on top of it, all the, the decentralized apps and the NFTs and all that sort of shit. When you add it all up, you know, we're talking tens and tens of billions of dollars worth of value. Uh, and the network just stops working. It's like getting the blue screen of death on a Windows PC or something like that. So it wasn't good. And I mean, maybe it was because of us. Maybe we crashed it. I mean, we've done crazier things before. This is true. This is true. Um, yeah, but I... I... From what I understand, they have released a, a patch, as it were, and uh, maybe they've started slaughtering the right uh, the right people or animals or whatever to Solana, and uh, she's smiling upon the Solana verse now. One of the interesting parts of this was, uh, I believe, validators was a big part of it. So the, uh, the members of the network which validate the blocks, and uh, there was an incredible quote, quote from Twitter. It was by Larry Cermak at Lawmaster. He's quite he's been very big in the in the yeah. crypto verse for quite a long time. And he, uh, it was just a part of a thread he did on the whole issue. And it was just this, this quote, the issue seems to be connected to validators running out of RAM, especially those running 128 gigabytes. Can you imagine running 128 gigabytes worth of rapid access memory on I a know, computer? Mental, and that was the one, those were the ones that were having problems. I know, I think if I, I'm Nuts. gonna have a look about my Mac. I'm running eight gig of RAM, eight. I think sixteen on here. <laughs> and 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 my my little Mac Mini hums along. I do a fair bit of shit on that, but 128. That's off the hook. Um, yeah, which time. makes me wonder, at what point does a blockchain like Solana become too heavy? I mean, which is a fair question for all kinds of crypto blockchains. I mean, at what point does it require so much RAM to process to validate or whatever that the you know does it, can it scale faster than ram can be accessed or does this just mean that companies that make ram like um Intel. oh god who was it um oh is it corsair i think that make ram or something like that? all of a sudden like because remember i remember when bitcoin mining became a big sort of more mainstream thing and like nvidia gpus were you couldn't get for the lot for love of money you couldn't get an nvidia gpu because they're all just getting bought by crypto miners i wonder if like ram is there's going to be a bull run in 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 ram and we're just going to run out of ram because everyone's buying ram to validate uh different crypto networks yeah i i i I think i mean Looking at it, it always seems as though the people design these networks don't really give a shit about the hardware requirements because people who want to get rich, who have capital, are just going to pay for the hardware uh, yeah. one way or another. 
Um, I mean, what what is it that the you know the is it Bitcoin Satoshi Vision guys or the what they calling it Bitcoin uh, you know utility blockchain guys are doing where they've got like hundred gigabyte blocks that they're now mining uh, on on their so what is supposedly the real Bitcoin blockchain? <laughs> I mean, they're like that must require a fair bit of hardware to do especially competitively, uh, though I don't know if they've got any competition. Mm. But yeah, I mean, I think the hardware comes secondary. So hardware chases, you know, tries to meet the demand rather than the other way around. Though yeah. maybe maybe there's a supply side aspect to it as well. If you just, you know, fill the fill the market with really decent tech, then maybe, uh, maybe someone would just end up creating something that uses huge amounts of processing power just in order to use it. Again, I mean, uh, yeah. The thing is, right, is that some of these blockchains that are starting to boom now, they maybe they maybe they will have a bloat issue down the track. I mean, Ethereum is pretty bloated as well. Uh, so is Bitcoin. Um, but there are, I, I mean, I know there are ones like there's Mina, which is a newer blockchain. It's um, it's got some pretty serious backers, and its entire blockchain is only like twenty something kilobytes. So I mean, that's for the whole blockchain, and because they're using. Um, uh, they're using, uh, I think they're using ZK Snarks, uh, right? Yeah, as part of so they're basically sharding uh, their, their their blockchain so that it's super lightweight, can carry loads of transactions, and that that it'll never ever be bloated or heavy like that. So which makes it obviously a bit more economically friendly as well. So there are other options and alternatives out there. I just wonder how, you know how that all comes together in, you know, 50 years time. It'll be a fascinating mm. study to see. It'll be history will be a, a great look back as to, as to how this is all developed over the next few decades. Big time, big time. Uh, I do know, you know, you got a sentence in there that inc- includes ZK snarks and sharding. So I think uh, we've gotten, uh, you know, we've got maximum, maximum lingo. <laughs> We have the density the of the lingo of in this everyone podcast. listening yeah, yeah. to us right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't worry, don't worry, there, folks. It's no. Uh, it's uh, yeah. yeah. We'll try and keep it. We'll like, try and keep it more. At the more end of the day, people just want to be able to shift their, you know, shitty NFT from one. You know, that's what you know. What that might be the next real big thing is being able to shift your NFTs from one blockchain to another. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that would be the um, yeah. Well, that's a new use for those wormholes, right? For the bridges. Yeah. Um, you, well, interesting, though, Sam. I um, I was actually speaking to to a developer who uh, works on the Solana blockchain. He's uh, you know a big part of uh, a certain uh, Solana project, and uh, which we may have discussed before. And I, he was saying his sort of prediction for the future was that Solana was going to become a lot heavier, so transaction. Transaction costs were going to become a lot harder, and there yeah. were people were going to need to become to avoid becoming akin to Ethereum. Uh, you know, they were going to need to become a lot more lightweight. And it does uh, just seem sort of the the cost of success for these projects is that it becomes harder to move stuff around. Though personally, I mean, you see, Bitcoin's pretty heavy. I, you know, I've moved a lot of Bitcoin around, and yeah. I've never had an issue. Never had an issue with transaction costs or times for that matter. Uh, times have gotten slower. Times yeah, but not got a lot that bad. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I remember when it used to be very quick and and then it all of a sudden became like an hour to confirm a fucking transaction. I mean, that's that's not great. 
<laughs> no, no, it's not great. It's not great. But if you but move if in big, the, if you move yeah. in big amounts, you're not, you know, it, it's not really a problem. It's always been faster than a wire transfer for me, uh, and that's ultimately who you're trying to beat. If you're talking about on-chain transactions, then you know you just need to beat a wire transfer, really. Yeah, um, which is true, and and ultimately it does do that. I mean, like, so I've seen a fair few fucking pops. Uh, in the mainstream and from negative Nellies uh, about the El Salvador uh, release on mm-hmm. the 7th of September. And they're like, oh, El Salvador, they, they fucked it up. And oh, it's it's just proof that, that you know, you've, nation states can't adopt crypto and it's all a piece of shit in the Ponzi scheme, yada, yada, yada. Well, it's the same shit that these people have been fucking preaching for the last five years or six years still refusing to i mean still just sitting there watching the numbers tick up but anyway um uh, and i mean the thing that they're missing is that everything never get uh, name me one thing that's like the most amazing perfect rollout from the from the get-go um the chivo app it's still the like it's now the number one app in el salvador um it's free remittance between El Salvadorian citizens. If you're an El Salvadorian in America and you're sending, you know, money back to El Salvador now, um, you send it through the Chivo app for free. So, you know, as opposed to a 10, 15, 20, 30% transaction fee that Western Union's charging, um, I mean, it's it's a bit of a no-brainer as to how that's going to impact their remittance market. So, you know, there there were teething problems and there was, you know, a, a, a crash in Bitcoin's price by like 10, 15%. But if you're all getting charged 30% from Western Union uh, to send $100 from the US back to El Salvador, even if the Bitcoin price crashes 15%, you're still better off. Um, so, I mean, it's still not ideal, but it's better than the shit that they used to deal with. Yeah, big time, big time. It's one of those things where if you're if you're in a uh, if you're unfortunate enough enough to live in a country where your government is trashing the the currency, uh, or on or historically it has been trashed. Uh, ultimately, Bitcoin becomes such so much more of a uh, you know uh, of an easy sell for somebody who's there because if the volatility of your own currency is just bouncing all over the walls all day every day then you know the the volatility of bitcoin doesn't really matter so much to you um so you know which is why you see so much uptake in places like venezuela and nigeria and And it's worth it is also worth pointing out that over time bitcoin is becoming more stable um we we still do see big price swings in it but not like not like we used to there isn't there is an element of the longer that bitcoin exists and you know i certainly think that over the decades to come because this is not something that's just going away um that we will it will continue to find some price stability um as as you know it increases scale adoption um we get towards you know all all bitcoin basically being in existence there are other value drivers uh, in there, but ultimately, I think it will become a very, a very stable unit of exchange long term. Maybe beyond our lifetimes, but certainly for generations to come, I think Bitcoin has still shows all signs of of being a a potential global reserve asset. I think. Yeah, but Sam, Sam, I mean, come on. What what about Evergrande? What about when Evergrande defaults? Yeah, Surely well, that's so- gonna that's gonna just put lights out on the whole thing wow so this is the other thing that we that i wanted to talk about and i don't i don't 100 understand 
the the ramifications of what's happening. What I what I know so far is that Evergrande is a Chinese property developer uh, that has effectively got something in the vicinity of three hundred billion dollars worth of debt that they cannot afford to service, let alone repay, and that they're going to be going through a pretty much fire sale of assets in order to just try uh, and eliminate some of the, the debts. More or less, they're insolvent, and uh, I'm led to believe that they are going to be let uh, to fail. Uh, Beijing has, has, has bailed out, the government has bailed out other companies in similar situations before, but I don't believe on this scale. So the, the talk around is that if Evergrande fails, which is looking increasingly imminent, um, that it's going to have knock-on effects globally into all markets that we're going to see it hit the stock market. There's, there's, there's talk that it's somehow tied into Tether and that Tether owns paper in fucking Evergrande. Uh, I don't know how true that is, but but then the, they're talking the Tether conspiracy theorists are saying that it's going to crash and, and expose Tether as a fraud. And that if Tether's a fraud, then the whole crypto market's going to come crashing down. So basically they're saying that Evergrande is the China Lehman on a scale, like at a multiple of five. I think what was it? Lehman was like 60 billion or something. Uh, and this is like, exponentially bigger um i don't really get how I, I i seem to still think that it's going to be mainly contained to china and that they'll kind of package it up tidy it up and it won't really have the knock-on effects that everyone's saying it will but i could be wrong i mean i'm not sure what's your understanding of the situation mm, yeah this is a well it's a very big question obviously it's a huge question it's the 300 billion dollar question um or, or actually greater than that, really, when you consider uh, what the what the knock-on effects might be. Uh, well, first off, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a China hand. Uh, I'll probably never go to China in my life unless I get deported there to go to some prison <laughs> camp or something. Um, so, you know, in terms of what's what's going on there with Evergrande and, of course, the scale of their property bubble, if it is a bubble, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, there's so many, so many moving parts with Evergrande. Um, you know, um, well, actually, you know, I'll, I'll carry on for a bit. I think the uh, look, uh, you need to ask a lot of questions first, and I don't have the answers, but let's try, try asking the questions. So Evergrande has been stopped from failing in the past, right? The, this is this institution, maybe it was viewed as too big to fail by the CCP, maybe not. But in the past, in order to uh, stop it from failing, it has been helped out in a lot of ways. This is what the Chinese regulator would refer to as a gray rhino risk, where it is not like a black swan event where you can't uh, expect it ahead of time. It's impossible to expect a black swan. Gray rhinos are bloody obvious, uh, and you just need to make sure that you're not in the way. So you need to find out, uh, you know, you see the risk is there, and you need to make sure that you can intervene where necessary. So the CCP has, prevent, has prevented and aided Evergrande in the past. If Evergrande is imminently going to fail, as some market observers believe, why Why now? Number one, why now? So Evergrande has managed to make it this far, and, you know, this far without failing. Mm. Why now? Uh, I mean, arguably, Chinese yeah, property market, uh, May 2020, I imagine, would have been a bit worse for Evergrande than 2021. So why now? And at the same time, why, is it, why would the CCP not intervene yeah. where it has previously? Now, 
there may well be plenty of answers to this question. Now, of course, Xi Jinping has come down hard on pretty much just the really wealthy. So, it's, you know, uh, okay, he's come hard down hard on property developers in the past, uh, and he, uh, you know, has come down more recently on uh, on tech, on the tech guys. So, whether or not, uh, so it may well be that this is just going to teach um, teach Evergrande a lesson because remember, a lot of these creditors are either, uh, well, most of them, of course, are inside China. So the people who uh, are afraid that Evergrande is going to collapse are mostly uh, Chinese citizens. Uh, the, the, you know, it would not be allowed to collapse if the majority of those citizens had political clout. So I don't think, uh, so I imagine if it is allowed to fail, the people who would protest don't have any political power. Um, and I think a lot of the creditors ultimately are high net worth uh, Chinese mm. people, mm. and Xi Jinping's very fine. Is completely fine with uh, with those guys uh, taking a taking a haircut. Uh, whether or not it actually does fail, I think is something else. Again, I, I've not heard a decent enough answer to the first two questions, i.e., why does Evergrande fail now when it hasn't been able to get by, and why does CCP allows it to? I, I'm not fully satisfied. I have the answers. Maybe I'm sure there are plenty more out there. I'm not a student of this of the of the Chinese property market and all of its wild mirages and miracles. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, then we get to the bit with Tether, which is slightly more um, sort of uh, well, much more sort of conspiracy minded, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so Tether issuance, uh, of course, Tether has said that uh, the majority of their of their holdings aren't backed by cash, not anymore. They are now backed by uh, high quality commercial paper, short-term loans. Uh, I believe somebody has pointed out that Tether creation, so the creation of USDT, the uh, sort of the global reserve currency within the crypto space, actually kind of goes in line with uh, liquidity conditions for Evergrande. So when the Chinese Communist Party started cracking down on commercial paper issuance from very large uh, property developers, that's when Tether issuance stops. And so some people believe that it's really, you know, Tether is being backed by Evergrande commercial paper. Now, this may may be true. I mean, well, I they've, I they've no denied idea. it. Apparently, Tether's come out. I just had a quick look. Tether's come out and denied it. Yeah, but the thing is, Tether is not exactly you know the most <laughs> the most honest character, right? You never believe something until it's officially denied. So, I think that's probably a bad thing, really. Not like Prince Andrew coming out and saying, "I've never been to America." Yeah, I mean, yeah, oh dear, <laughs> dear, dear. But you know, this whole Evergrande thing, you know, it reminds me of that sea shanty, uh, Sam, does not, you know, mm. you, you know, away, away to Rio. Oh, sea shanty. I, I mean, we, I remember we were talking about yeah, sea yeah. shanties many, many episodes ago, but I don't know any sea shanties. Oh, come on, man, come on, you must have heard away, away to Rio. I'm Australian, know? we don't, it's this, the sea shanty is, is not a thing, dude. You're an island nation. You've got a navy. You've got a navy. Wow. Yeah. Arguably, we've got a navy. Actually, that that does that leads me onto another thing, which I'll, I'll bring up in relation to China shortly. But um, continue, continue. I don't know. What's what's this? Tell me what this sea shanty. You know, if if you were to sing it for our listeners, I mean, you know, I'm not sure anyone would, you know, disagree with that. <laughs> Well, no. So go. Yeah, well, th- there are loads of different versions of it because it's well, just a shanty. Way, but can it, you can you say the words to a sea sh- to a sea sh- to a sea shanty without singing it? Is the better question. That is a good question, actually. Does anyone actually just speak sea shanties? Probably not. I mean, it's like like the, how when Eminem just talks, it just sounds like he's rapping. <laughs> yeah, quite. Yeah, I can imagine it being somewhat similar. 
Yeah, though, lyrically, you know, well, interesting thing with sea shanties is the rhythm of the shanty is actually meant to be in time with a certain uh, task on deck. So right. actually the, the rhythm that they've been written around is like, you know, pulling something, you know, reefing a sail or, uh, or hoisting something. Uh, so like the entire sort of structure of the music is around a task. But anyway, but no, no, no. like, uh, so oh, I think some people say, call it a way Rio, or I think it's a way to Rio or a way down Rio. But anyway, it's just uh, uh, a way boys away, a way to Rio. Uh, so fare thee well, my bonny young lass, we're bound for the Rio Grande. And so it always it, like in this in this scenario, it's a bit like uh, you know, away down crypto. Fare thee well, my bonny young lass. We're bound. We're bankrupting the ever grand. Because some people believe this is really going to be like ground zero Hiroshima for crypto. Yeah. Because this is gonna this is gonna pull the, flip the lid on tether. Ah, uh, um, yeah, it's not. It's just so not happening. <laughs> it's like, you don't think so you don't think uh, there's any I, chance no, you know what if evergrande literally failed tomorrow and and, and 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 sadly wrecks a bunch of investors and home buyers which would be horrible it really would be um it, but at the same time i don't see it having one tiny fragment of an impact on the crypto market okay okay contrarian point um devil's advocate here i'm gonna flip it around uh, it doesn't need to be backing Tether at all, but the knock-on effect of a $300 billion bankruptcy in China... Different question. ...leads to a, <laughs> leads to a slowdown in global growth and everyone shits the bed. So yeah. if, it's a risk, uh, if, if it's a risk-off question, that it's just investors yeah. wanting to get the fuck out of risky assets, then yeah, yeah. okay, maybe. Right, 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 yeah, yeah. One thing that was pointed out to me recently was... But, 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 uh, but let me, let me, sorry, let me finish that as well. If investors are looking to get out of risky assets and move into more stable assets, uh, arguably investors would move a lot to cash. But when inflation is absolutely fucking skyrocketing, which the US have put out numbers and it is off the hook high. Um, I mean, do you risk do you risk off out of those risky assets or do you just ride it out? Because arguably it's even worse or just as worse to go to cash. Or again, that's probably a good argument, obviously, for something like gold. But I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm just well, saying now I, it's, I, it's different. It's a different environment to get out of risky assets now than it was two or three years ago. I think, uh, yeah, I think it would, Evergrande bankruptcy would equal deflation event, a big deflationary event. So everyone's been relying on China to keep right. growth going in the world. Yeah. If that stops, I think people start being afraid of deflation, even though the inflation statistics, as you say, have been uh, really going for it recently. So, I, yeah, I'm not so sure. I can kind of see where you're coming from. I think it'd definitely be good for gold just because people will, would want it. But at the same A return time, to income stocks is my argument, I think. Right. I think they risk, yeah. they risk out, off out of the growth and, the, and even value and just go straight to income stocks again. Imagine if there's a Evergrande defaults, and then just as a, just you know by sheer coincidence, uh, you know Bojo throws another lockdown, and so does Biden. <laughs> Fuck it. Yeah, you know, what does the, what does the market do then? Right, we actually go back into full lockdown as as Evergrande defaults. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. I mean that'd be that'd a, be a real it's, it's real it's curveball. A, yeah, it's a fuck. It's topsy. It's a topsy to fucking derby world. Yeah, um, big time. Big time. I think um, 
Yeah, I think with Evergrande, one thing was pointed out to me uh, recently uh, by someone who knows a lot more about uh, sort of emerging markets than I was that, uh, like, even though it's 300 billion, which is still a lot of money, obviously, credit in China is currently at $34 trillion. So it's actually kind of, even though it's all from one entity, obviously, it's a huge singular entity. But if within a credit pool, it's $34 trillion big, 300 billion, while big, is not mm. that big. And so he, he was making the argument yeah. that it was it was not going to be like Lehman, well, number one, just because, you know, the... Uh, you know, China doesn't have an open capital account, so the money can't leave. Yeah. Capital can't leave. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, there's a lot of credit in China. 300 billion, while it seems huge to you and I, is um, Flick not a small number. Pen. Yeah. 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 It, yeah, they, they, yeah. They, they know how to use those pens over there. Yeah. Three, it just feels like 300 billion, as big a number as it is, isn't as big as it used to be. <laughs> Mm. the old 300 billion like she anymore. ain't what she used to be ain't what she used <laughs> to be <laughs> it's the closest to a shanty i've got it's not i don't even think that's a season shanty i think yeah i think that's a nursery run <laughs> <laughs> you can tell where i've been spending most of my time <laughs> yeah it is a yeah evergrind i mean it's definitely flavor of the month but mm. i think you have to ask why now why now um, yeah that's the bit i don't get I'm, i agree with you i don't get why all of a sudden um ccp is just like nah well oh well okay here we go uh what if they're about to do something in taiwan so they need to it's going to obviously have huge domestic fallout a bankruptcy yeah. of that size would make it look very bad need to get some nationalism going yeah. uh, maybe there's something going on down in in taiwan well that would make sense and and so that I mean, if they were to all of a sudden just ferry a bunch of money over to save an ailing property developer, uh, as opposed to then reallocating said money towards a military action in Taiwan. So there have been some reports come out of Australia that a emergency cabinet meeting basically was held um, in Canberra on Wednesday, a bunch of MPs and stuff getting special leave to leave their lockdown states to travel across borders to get to Canberra, which in itself is a fucking mental thing, I might add. Um, but uh, there's there's different rumors talking about that the US is going to make an imminent uh, internationally uh, important announcement. Uh, and uh, that's why the Australian cabinet had to meet that the UK is somehow involved as well. Uh, there's rumor that it may be related to Taiwan. Um, someone had speculated that it's in relation to Australian submarines uh, that have been contracted to be built by the French that are now going to be either built by the U S or the U S the U S may be stationing some of their submarines in Australia. Uh, which again yeah. would be of significance and, and would probably justify the president saying something, but it's pretty rare. I, I find the tenuous links to be to, as to why there's such an emergency meetings being held in relation to a, a, an announcement that the, the, the president's going to make um, because usually the, the U S president doesn't give a flying fuck about anything to do with Australia uh, unless it's military focused uh, yeah. And an issue of national security, which then only leads to the possible conclusion that comes the only potential conflict in that region is really Taiwan and shit around the South China Sea. So uh, I don't know what's going to happen, but it seems like this is going to be a fucking fun week. Yeah, I it, it does make sense, Sam, that the, the MPs 
uh, need to have an in-person conversation when you consider that everything on Zoom, uh, including this call, <laughs> is probably getting uh, is probably <laughs> getting scraped by the MSS. So you know, it makes sense why they have to actually you know whisper in each other's ears in person. Uh, yeah, I, it will be very interesting to see what such a if there is such an announcement ahead of time, what that announcement would be. Uh, I don't think it's just I don't think Taiwan is, is the only thing going on over there though. Um, it feels like it's the only thing that would require multiple international coordination, though. Maybe. Well, it could be missile bases, though. So interestingly, there was um, uh, the US pulled a lot of missile ba- missile defenses, their Patriot missile systems from Saudi Arabia. I think it was about I think that was about a week ago, um, and a lot of people wanted. Well, this is obviously a massive slap in the face to Saudi Arabia, um, and you know, US and Saudi aren't getting along too much because US uh, pulled their support from. Uh, the yet the war in Yemen. Uh, however, some people were thinking, well, maybe they're pulling these Patriot missile systems because they want to put them elsewhere. And if they did want to put them close to China, well, that is definitely upping the ante in the in the Cold War saga, certainly. Um, and there was another thing actually. There was another event recently. Yeah, and you said it was in collaboration with the UK. You may have seen in the news that uh, the Chinese ambassador in the UK was banned from reaching it from uh, the you know uh, accessing Palace of Westminster, you know, from the House of Commons. Uh, and uh, you know, by the by, the speakers of the of the Commons and of the Lords, and oh, you, one does wonder why you know why they've chosen now rather than any other time. Because of course, Chinese ambassador did want entry, but they could have made such an announcement at a different time. So uh, maybe there is this is sort of the Anglosphere uh, mm. sort of uh, striking back at China to some degree. Yeah, it's it it it's. There's there's a sort of air of all right we're gonna we're gonna sort of line up our ducks here and just sort of reinforce to China that they can go ahead and you know have controls over their economy and their market as they see fit. But uh, if they want to step outside of their region into our markets and into influence in our country's property, whatever it might be. Uh, the, we rule the roost and it, and it feels like there's perhaps a bit of a show of strength that may be on the near horizon yeah it's, it's certainly yeah i mean i i, I certainly feel anticipation uh, there does does feel like something might be uh something might be brewing um you know another reason why ever the evergrande why ccp may want to allow evergrande to fail uh, just because uh, you got to quit while the going's good. So global growth this year has been all right, considering 2020. And so, you know, quit while you're ahead. If you don't think global growth is going to be great for whatever reason in the future, maybe more lockdowns, maybe, you know, some kind of military, uh, you know, military event causing supply chain squeezes and stuff. Well, what, maybe... but what better way to, to uh, bring back the national spirit and that we are all in this together than to have some sort of, uh, you know, war <laughs> to fight, <laughs> as crazy as it sounds. But I, that would, I mean, it just wouldn't surprise me that, 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 that a war kicked off for, any, for no other reason than just to solidify the national unity against a common enemy. Um, Is this okay. on the Chinese side or on the American side? On both? the American side. Because and and okay, I'm gonna freely admit I've watched a couple of 9/11 docos this week, oh, uh, which oh. probably which probably haven't helped. I mean, it's the 20th, it's the 20th anniversary of it, and so you know every every fucking 
you know, National Geo and Discovery and BBC. They've all Netflix, got some, yeah, and, yeah. and some of them are pretty good. Um, but I mean, a lot of it was, a lot of it just seemed that the response to what happened there was really more about trying to get the country behind the establishment rather than objectively sitting back and, and picking pieces apart. As, as, as George Bush quoted himself uh, in one of the documentaries, he said, fuck diplomacy, we're going to war. Um, and, and it seems like that may be the only thing that can reunify America. Um, and, and maybe Biden's very much of the fuck diplomacy, we're going to war again. But now we've got nukes, so I just uh, I think I don't think you can have, you can you can afford to <laughs> if if afford is the right word, you can get away with that if you're going uh, going to Afghanistan, for example, where you know they don't even have a decent highway system, let alone nuclear weapons. But when you're going against uh, you know the second largest economy, which has plenty of nukes, uh, you know, I do wonder if that that's a that's a question. I do think we're going to see like McCarthyism 2.0. Uh, I think there's going to be big anti-Chinese propaganda. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's interesting. I remember, you know, how we never see Chinese villains in, in movies anymore because China has bought all of the all of the producers, the, the, the studios, the development houses or not all of them, but enough of them. And they've created this fear of offense among script writers that means that because it's so vague, uh, people will simply not do anything that could be inher inher inherently um, viewed by anyone in the CCP as anti-Chinese. So, you know, it was in, yeah, in Skyfall. Wasn't there, where a James... whole, there was a whole South Park episode, it wasn't there, about not offending China so that they could access the Chinese markets. <laughs> yeah, 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 big time. So obviously Disney's, you know, head over heels. They're, they're fine filming fucking movies in Xinjiang, right? <laughs> they're completely morally bankrupt. But, you know, you got things like, uh, so James Bond, Skyfall, there's a scene in there where he just kills a, kills a, a Chinese security guard in Hong Kong. You know, there's that, there's that, they've got that fight. There's that bit in Skyfall where he fights an assassin in, yeah. you know, some one of these big glass uh, yeah, buildings. Yeah, it, it's nighttime. It's like all the neon lights and shit around it. Yeah, yeah. So in that, in that, there was actually a deleted scene where he, he kills a guard on the way to find the other guy. And that was deleted because he killed a Chinese guy. And that, that was obviously very, very offensive to the CCP. And I was thinking about it. You, know, you don't see those, in, you don't see that in movies at all now. Right? There's no Chinese villains uh, or people that could be you know, viewed in negative light, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and I, th I, I did find one, what, there's one sort of diamond in the rough here where I rewatched The Departed recently. You remember that old yeah. Scorsese movie? Yeah, yeah. There's that bit there, which actually hints at not only uh, sort of Chinese negative influence, but uh, Chinese economic espionage, where the, the Chinese are actually trying to steal. They've got the, uh, the, the Boston mob to steal some of these really high quality uh, semiconductors from an American company. And, um, and you know, the mob is, is, is helping them out in this regard. But I was like, that has to be one of the last times that somebody saw a, a major blockbuster <laughs> movie got away with portraying China as, as, as bad um, in some way. And I think that's really going to change. So when this really, when we do see the anti really get up, when you're talking about 
the US wanting to revitalize and you know get yeah. the patriotic juices flowing, they'll need to they'll need to destroy that Ameri- that Chinese influence over Hollywood. And I think we're a, we're a fair bit away from that yet. The Top Gun is you know, Top Gun Two is coming out, and you know Tom Cruise is not going to have the uh, the the South Korean or the Japanese or the uh, Taiwanese flags on his back. Um, and that's not even out yet, man. I mean, uh, yeah, you know what? Got... It's, it's so funny you mentioned that. I, I, you forget about how much propaganda uh, Hollywood can shift into into movies when they need to. I was just thinking the first thing that came to mind was like, I was like, well, who have been the villains of, of movies? And then the first thing that came to mind was the very first Iron Man movie when he um, becomes Iron Man. It was like, well, okay, well, that's pretty clear. <laughs> who they're trying to target when it comes to that um but you're right you know, wait, wait wait remind me remind me the first iron man movie it's his own mentor isn't it that he goes against in the end yeah yeah but the reason that he even becomes uh he he, he gets the um the arc reactor in his oh, so, chest uh, yes the terrorism the is terrorist, a, is a yeah, terrorist yeah. attack um yeah, on yeah. on tony stark the great american you know the stark battle is like okay I, you know it's pretty clear i mean they could have they could have made that anyone, you know. Yeah, yeah, and, and no, notably, notably to your point, if you actually read the very first Iron Man comic where that happens, they're fighting the Viet Cong. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, and I think wasn't that part of also why even like Captain America, the original comics were started was, you know, it's all based on who the enemy is at the time. Um, you know, these, these forms of me- these different mediums uh, that come out of America are all very propaganda-based. They're funnily enough, uh, yeah, they like are the Russians with the original Top Gun, right? Yeah, and of course the Rocky and things like that. Yeah. Uh, they're interesting. The comic books these days, the people who actually write the comic books are incredibly politically, <laughs> political. What would be the best word? Incredibly politically motivated, and uh, you yeah. know they've got they've got the Red Skull in Mar- in Captain America comics is literally Jordan Peterson. Uh, so the 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 comic book writer. Is make is having the Red Skull give Jordan Peterson speeches <laughs> because they hate Jordan Peterson, see so him as the enemy, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's very, um, yeah. Uh, the comic book industry has certainly gone downhill, while the while the movies of the superhero movies have uh, really boomed. They've really gone for it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, who's who's going after? Where's the where's our Chinese antagonist? Do you think uh, do you think when Bond gets uh, reborn after Daniel Craig is done, that they're finally gonna they're finally gonna put in a Chinese antagonist? Uh, I actually think that they will probably go, believe it or not, with like a a Chinese British or Chinese American Bond. Bond, yeah, <laughs> I can imagine <laughs> that. I can imagine that. Yeah, completely just turn it on its head. Um, but yeah, because yeah, I was I watched weirdly I watched the um there's the thing about on Apple Plus or Apple TV Plus the other day about Daniel Craig being Bond, um, which was actually a pretty interesting watch. It's quite the uh, it's quite the burden to carry uh, in the United Kingdom being being James Bond. Um, but yeah, I, I get the feeling that they're going to break very much free from that. But yeah, propaganda movies, comics. I guess it's always been like that and always will be. It's just in, just trying to figure out. I wonder. Actually, actually, you know what? That reminds me of something. Speaking of comics, and this is somewhat investment related, our publisher at Southbound, Paolo, messaged me earlier and he was telling me about uh, someone. I'm just seeing if I can pull up 
pull up the email uh, about it. But he was saying that uh, through a person to a person, he knows that he's heard of this guy who buys rare comics based on industry news on what rights the studios are buying and has basically bought two flats in the US with the proceeds from his buying rare comics and then selling them because of what rights the studio is going to buy to turn them into movies or that's TV pretty stuff. clever that's Damn fucking clever. genius yeah, it's yeah. like comic book trader I mean I love that shit He's front, front running Disney and Marvel pretty much I mean I, I actually weirdly enough I bought a comic a first edition comic uh, not that long ago from it was the it's the new or newish uh, Keanu Reeves comic uh, Berserker uh, I bought a first edition variant uh, you know special variant limited edition variant uh, cover of that um, mainly just because I fucking really like Keanu Reeves and uh, <laughs> I think a comic by him would be pretty sick and it is pretty cool and it's probably going to get turned into movies if the rights haven't already been bought but that's not why I bought it I just bought it because I like the cover and because it's been a while since I bought comics I used to buy loads of comics when I was a kid Venom, Carnage like I've been waiting decades for Carnage to probably make it into the movies uh, from the comics and now he is so I mean that's pretty cool I know I've got a bunch of comics back at home uh, they're not rare or anything but it's pretty interesting you know these alternative investment ideas that you really even think of like buying comics or like we've i think we've discussed before you know whiskeys wines things like that mm. um there's pretty cool markets out there that if you know sort of what you're doing or you can get a bit of industry insight it's a pretty cool way to make a bit of profit and have a bit of fun while doing it yeah i do wonder i do wonder how much of it is just a function of low interest rates though uh just <laughs> you know when you can't make interest you got to make a buck somewhere so you see collectibles blowing you know blowing sky high yeah. pokemon cards uh, yeah, the NFTs obviously is digital collectibles. Uh, watches are having a great time. Oh really? Uh, oh well, they have been for a long time actually. Yeah. yeah so well, certain certain brands obviously. Funnily enough, uh, speaking of James Bond, uh, he's actually the the Omega they've got him wearing for this one. It's actually quite a nice. I don't normally like Omegas, but they no. they have given him a nice Omega for mm. this for this James Bond. But yeah, uh, you know, collect the watches have been doing great. Um, contemporary art obviously has been doing great. You know, all of the collectibles, everything that's you know, that is that is collectible, I guess. Has been I, I also great, again, well, some people have said the classic car markets come off a bit, a little bit. I believe that it has come off a little bit, but uh, the high performance supercar market is absolutely flying. Like uh, I'm hearing that when it comes to like cars like Porsche GT3s, uh, there's because it's limited access to get them to start with. But when they are being bought, the flipping on the secondhand market uh, of them is astronomical, and they're selling at multiples uh, higher than what you can actually buy from the dealers. Again, it's one of those sort of rarity things, but at the same time, you know, we're talking about cars that are heavily rooted in internal combustion engines that, that smash the shit out of, uh, you know, fossil fuels, but uh, absolutely selling like hotcakes at crazy astronomically inflated prices on secondhand markets. I mean, just that re completely reinforces your point. Yeah, yeah, people. Yeah, it's a it's a crazy, crazy market. Collectibles are obviously kind of the coolest. I was thinking that are just the kind of the coolest markets because there's so much you know, niche history and everything with every piece. There's so many. Everything is so unique in a lot of ways. Um, but you know, there's high there's high transaction costs. It's high hidden costs that you might not be immediately aware of. There's VAT half the time, which is you know an incredible pain <laughs> in the ass. Um, yeah, yeah, very cool market, very cool market. Sam, how would you rate your first beer, that Guinness of yours? 
Oh, I mean, I mean, what do you how do you what do you say about a Guinness apart from it's a Guinness uh, and. I, it's like I'm, I'm usually not a big fan of, of of stouts or you know sort of darker heavy beers but I can always find space for a Guinness in my life always um I yeah mean, likewise it's never gonna get a triple B because it's too mass market <laughs> but I can't I can't help but give it a I mean a double B because it's it's just great I mean you can you can you, it's it's mr it's all reliable right you can never no, I don't think I've ever had a bad Guinness unless it was like literally had been sitting in the sun and was was like way too hot. Um, <laughs> but no, great as usual. My goodness, my Guinness. It is probably, yeah, I mean, so I'm, I like stout, but I've yet to have a better stout than Guinness. So I'm, yeah. I, I feel I must have not had enough stouts if I can't beat the mass market stuff. That's true. Uh, but yeah, you can't go wrong with the Guinness. Um, yeah, in terms of Eternal Sunshine, Double Dry Hot IPA, I would give that a... I think I'd give that an A+. Plus. It was uh, it was fine. Uh, not terrible. Uh, you know, it did did what it said on the tin. But um, yeah, nothing, nothing to write home about. Good label, of course. But yeah, uh, nothing to write home about. I'm now onto the second one, which is a Fuller's beer. So we are going very mass market here. <laughs> this one is called 1845. So this is Fuller's 1845, celebrating 150 years of brewing excellence. Bottle conditioned ale matured to perfection for 100 days. And this is 6.3%. So yeah, because I, I saw that bottle condition thing, and of course, 1845. I did think, uh, you know, gotta gotta go for something. Uh, talk about old school. Uh, may as well try this. That's what I'm on at the moment. I believe I actually I've yet to open it because I had to deliver to a different address. But I I think I've I bought a silver crown. Uh, you know the the coins. Uh, yeah. You, know, you used to get half crowns of crowns. I bought a silver crown from 1846 that is waiting cool. for me uh, a while ago. I've yet to inspect it. Uh, back when you got the. Um, Queen, uh, Queen Victoria. Queen Victoria with the young portrait as well on a nice big silver crown. I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing that whenever I get it. Speaking of collectibles for that matter, collectible coins are, of course, you know, yet another... It's like stamps and stuff. Uh, you get people who are into I've got, all manner of stuff. I don't think my, my beer label collection is ever going to come too much, though. <laughs> so while we're on this subject, the other week I got an email. I think I got an email. I don't even know why I got it. Maybe I'd subscribed or, or, or saw something. But it was alerting me to the fact that the Royal Mint uh, was had, had created and was selling a collector's line of Winnie the Pooh coins. Oh, yeah, and yeah. I thought, oh, that'd be really cute to get for my boys you know max is two and a half and parker's only 12 weeks old but then i was like if i'm gonna get coins i'm not gonna get the 20 buck coins i'm like i'm gonna get the i'm gonna get the boys proper gold proof coins and they've got a couple of winnie the pooh coins that are just over a thousand pounds each uh that are 50p gold proof coins that are you know all right winnie the pooh limited editions and i'm like and so, so I was, I was, I'm stuck in a dilemma. I haven't, I haven't actioned it yet, but I'm thinking to myself, now, do I buy the boys each one of these Winnie the Pooh collector coins that are gold proof coins uh, struck in 22 karat gold to proof standard. But then on the Royal Mint site, they've also got bullion bars as well. I'm like, oh yeah, well, yeah. do I just buy the boys uh, a bullion bar? Actual gold. 
yeah, yeah. actual actual gold bar, like you know, an ounce of gold uh, with a cool, you know, what, they've got a few different ones with like cool little designs on them and shit like that. Yeah, yeah. And okay, there's a little bit of a premium. Like weirdly enough, they've got a James Bond one ounce gold bar, James Bond, yeah, yeah. No Time to Die. I'm yeah, like, yeah, I've seen well, that. Do I buy them one of those? And so I'm sort of stuck in this dilemma. Uh, it's it's you know something that you know I'm not going to buy them every week, but for the long term, get it for the boys when they're 18. Here you go. Here's a one ounce gold bar. Uh, no time to die or something like that. Or here's a you know Winnie the cute little Winnie the Pooh coin. I'm kind of I'm I'm unsure. I'm leaning towards like just the gold bar. Um, but there's something I don't know something cute about the Winnie the Pooh coins too. <laughs> okay, okay, right. So you you can't be messing around in the middle. It can't be a compromise. Number one, you've not seen No Time to Die. It could be shit. Also, <laughs> yeah. the design of that bar, the design of that bar isn't actually that cool. Right, oh, it's it's a no. bit weird. It's like when Harrods started doing gold bars that just had the Harrods logo on it. It's yeah. like yeah. it's a bit, it's a bit meh. They, they, the, there was one. There was a cool gold bar they had, and it was uh, they've only got it in silver now. It's Una and the Lion. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was very, very popular. That was yeah. the reason why it, that sold out. If memory serves, uh, I think it was in the first couple of days because uh, people love that design because it's yeah. inspired by a classic. Is it a, it's either a classic painting or a classic engraving. Right. They did a silver bar, which I have of that image, uh, ah, right. where it's a, which is very cool. Uh, if you go for the for Royal Mint Bullion, they've got some very good illustrators. So Jody Clark is uh, the guy that did the Queen's portrait, but he's he's done some really good um, sort of more creative stuff. They did. They've released a, a couple of bullion coins recently, which are very good. So it is. Uh, it's twenty-four carat. It's not twenty-two carats. It's. Uh, yeah. I think. It's, I think it's four nines pure, and uh, it's of Robin Hood. And they've done another one more recently of Maid Marian. So these are bullion grade coins. The premium isn't that high, uh, but they are bullion grade, and it is uh, a triangle gold, which is very cool. I've not gotten the Maid Marian one, but I do have the the. Robin I, Hood I one. see I'll the Robin Hood one now. Maid that Marian is pretty cool. I'm a sucker for it. Yeah. It is. Okay, it I is didn't even cool. think about the coins because I didn't realize they're one ounce mm. gold coins. Yeah, yeah, one troy ounce, and uh, yeah. it's got a face value as well. Though obviously that doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter, yeah. but it, that makes it different from a bar. Yeah, because you do have a government backing to some degree. <laughs> um, yeah, the Royal Mint, like some of their stuff, really good, and some of it's like, what are you, what are you guys doing? <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, once upon a time, I actually applied for a job at the Royal Mint. This is well before my current position. It was when I was a financial advisor, and I, you know, I was really into gold. I was really into bullion. Yeah. And I remember applying for a job that, you know, you just didn't hear anything back. Uh, I would have had to have moved to Wales, uh, you know, because they, they've got that place off the motorway. Right. Um, but I didn't hear anything back. And I actually met a couple of the people who worked there at one of their presentations when they launched uh, their RMAU. It was an exchange traded commodity, the RMAU. Token was RMAU. Yeah, I mean, so it's a security. So it's a gold-backed ETF, effectively, but it's an, not an ETF, it's an ETC. But I actually met a couple of them. And I was like, oh, you know, I, I applied for a job with you guys once upon a time. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, uh, the lady was very, uh, you know, she was like, oh, really? Well, what was it you wanted to do? And I think she was actually, she would have effectively been my boss had I actually gotten that job. But uh, it was not to be. That said, uh, they do do some very nice bullion coins. So the the Robin Hood one, the Maid Marian one, are part of a series, and I think they're going to carry on with that. But you know, Sam, you know, Winnie the Pooh on a fifty p, a golden fifty p with Winnie the Pooh on it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, it'd be very distinctive. I mean, if you ever wanted pretty, to go for a coin cool. toss, 
it is pretty yeah, cool. It's almost like, you know, should we flip, you know, flip heads or tails or something? And you pull one of those things out. <laughs> it would be, it would yeah, leave an thousand, impression, wouldn't thousand it? Thousand pound, 50p coin to do heads or tails. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, it would leave an impression like. Or I could just be a cheapskate and get them to three coin collection where it's 20, 20 quid a coin. So 60, 60 quid all in. I yeah. If you wanted to be a cheapskate, you should just get the Robin Hood one in silver or the Maid Marian one in silver. I would say, but uh, that, that's just that's just me. Um, yeah, the the bullying industry is a funny one. It's interesting how they try and keep, you know, they they're just like, what would somebody want as a solid gold or a solid silver thing? And some people are like, well, Winnie the Pooh, and it's like that's not what I would first think of, but some people want. Oh, it. they're clearly appealing to people like me. <laughs> Which, to be fair, success. <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, yeah, I didn't know you were a massive Winnie the Pooh fan. I didn't well, know you I don't were, know, it's uh... just like, so, I mean, like I used to, my, my granddad used to, um, you know, we used to collect things for little toy model cars and stamps and a couple of coins and stuff, but nothing of anything of, of great value. Um, but I just thought it'd be, it's a cool little thing. It's just the, it's just a nice little thing that I think maybe I think I want to do for the boys, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Me. No, man. Part it. of me is also Go like, well, do I hold out a little bit longer for a better, cooler design bullion bar as well? So, I mean, I'm not sure. We'll see. We'll f- I'll figure something out. If in Within the next sort of three or four weeks, I'll uh, come to a decision and I'll, I'll let everyone know what I'm going to do. All right. Yeah. You'll find, you'll find out here, folks. I did, maybe yeah. I'll go see time to die. And if it's, fucking shit then i won't get there and if it's amazing i'll get maybe the no time to die bar <laughs> yeah we should we should come up with uh if it, you need to find an actor that you think is going to replace bond if it's going to be a, a british chinese bloke uh maybe a former hong konger or something i'd be interested to know uh who, who you say it was I'll, I'll i'll go on a bit of a search mm. yeah all right sam what, what, what was your second beer actually uh, I, di- I didn't have one. This is how bad I'm going at the moment. I, this, the, the, the delay in the uh, in this beer delivery is doing my tits in. That was actually your final beer. That's literally the final beer in the house. <laughs> oh, man, this is a tragic episode. There oh, is no more beer at the pub. Sam's, yeah, Sam's all right. This is, uh, he's going to be hitting the spirits now. I mean, and that would mean. To be fair, though. Really. To be fair, my wife's sick, and I'm gonna to have to really pull pull in and help with the kids. So, I mean, if I'm if I'm not half cut for that, then I'll be pretty happy actually. <laughs> <laughs> or, or actually, it'll be really ter- terrible, and you'll be hitting the hitting the the liquor twice yeah, as hard. I'll go to bed and I'll just be like, "Fuck this, getting smashed." <laughs> yeah, I must say, I'm rather disappointed by the 1845. Um, yeah but all oh, right first brewed in 1995 to celebrate the 150th anniversary oh my birth year damn uh yeah wow this is first brewed how have i not seen it then if this has been maybe it's not been brewed every single year but yeah 95 a great year a great year it was a good year yeah um yeah i mean roaring 90s i guess uh i'll probably rate this one this wasn't actually very good though so i think i'll give this <laughs> I think I'll give this an A minus. A minus. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's not terrible, but it's it's not ideal. <laughs> um, yeah, Sam. Any closing comments for uh, for this week? No, I'm just probably gonna stay up all night thinking about whether to buy gold coins or gold bullion. <laughs> well, I mean, the gold coins. Well, if it 
Yeah, some gold coins are are bullion as well, but the fifty well, p yeah. Winnie the the yeah, bar the all... bar of the coins. Yeah, yeah, I get. You. We should, we should get run you. a poll. If anyone's got any great, uh, if anyone wants to tweet tweet us at the at our Twitter account, just tweet me or me personally at Sam Valkyrie. Uh, just let me know. Coins or You're bars. Coins or bars. There you have it, folks. That is episode fifty-eight of Booze booms and busts we shall be back again next week of course in the meantime hope you're having a very good week uh and enjoying some nice beers of course or if you don't want to beer maybe cider or uh or whiskey or tequila or whatever floats your boat but that is all from us for the moment and we'll see you in the next one